Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The following program is a production of Chilling Entertainment and the creative team at Chilling Tales for Dark Nights and a proud member of the Simply Scary Podcast Network. Visit simplyscarypodcast.com to learn more about this and our other weekly storytelling programs and become a patron today to show your support and get instant access to our extensive archive of downloadable ad-free tales of terror. Thank you for listening. And enjoy the show. Today's episode of the Simply Scary Podcast is brought to you by Robinhood. Robinhood is an investing app that lets you buy and sell stocks, ETFs, options, and cryptos. All commission-free. They strive to make financial services work for everyone, not just the wealthy, providing a non-intimidating way for stock market newcomers to invest for the first time with true confidence. And today, Robinhood is giving our listeners a free stock like Apple, Ford, or Sprint to help build your portfolio. Sign up now at simplyscary.robinhood.com to let them know that the Simply Scary podcast sent you. Again, that's simplyscary.robinhood.com. Com. I'll be back after tonight's first story to tell you a little more about Robin Hood. Until then, snuggle up with a nice warm blanket and get cozy. It might just come in handy when your blood runs cold. <laughs> Stay tuned. The show is about to begin. Step right up and prepare to be unsettled. You've left behind your safe reality and fallen into darkness. There is no escape and there is no reprieve. Welcome to the Simply Scary Podcast, Season 3, Episode 12. I'm your host, Jason Hill, host of the Horror Hill podcast, which is also available now from Chilling Entertainment with 24 episodes of our own to help satisfy your craving for the sinister. You can find our show, and more of me, on iTunes and wherever else podcasts are found, or on the show's page at simplyscarypodcast.com. This evening, I'll be your guide through the twisted worlds and disturbed imaginations of several amazing authors, as their tales are told by talented voice actors Erica Garaffa, Jordan Lester, and Otis Gyrie. 
Tonight's tales concern everything from nightmares next door, unforgettable phantoms, and timeless terrors. Now, it's time for our descent into depravity. There's no turning back now. So take your seats in this, our theater of the mind. Get your ticket ready and prepare yourself. The show is about to begin. <laughs> Our first tale tonight is written by the Dead Canary, an anonymous collective of authors working together alongside the staff of Chilling Tales for Dark Nights to pen all new, exclusive tales each and every month. To check out more of their work, visit ChillingTalesForDarkNights.com and click Original Stories in the navigation menu. Our first selection is performed by voice actor Otis Jiry. And without further ado, I present to you The New Year's Suicides. I usually spend every New Year's celebration at home with a bottle of liquor as my only dependable company. Last year, I was doing just that while binge-watching Supernatural. Remember checking my phone to see what time it was? 11.57 p.m. By then, my vision was blurring, and I was well on my way to my tradition of getting uh, shit-faced for the new year. My family had told me for years that they were concerned. They said I spent too much time alone and that I needed to get out and just do something. Suicide had come to mind numerous times over the years due to the crap that life throws your way. Multiple failed relationships, jobs that went nowhere, and the possibility of good things that just blew up in your face. It all takes a toll on your mental health after time. Last year was no exception. I had found out a few months before that my girlfriend had cheated multiple times and had also told other people about it. Oh, and she also thought it was particularly hilarious, making crude remarks like, he's so stupid that he can't even tell what's going on. I drink more. It was out of the corner of my blurry vision that I saw a black figure standing by my door. I tried to focus, but it was too deep in the bottle to do that. I just saw this out-of-focus black human-shaped thing. Do it. You know you want to. You know, none of this is worth it. You know, life is pointless, and none of this matters. Why not do it? Nobody loves you. Nobody cares about you. Not even Carrie. She never loved you. Never cared about you. And you're just going to repeat the same mistakes for the rest of your life, so why bother? The voice that said this was deep and gravelly, sounding a bit distant like a radio station on the verge of cutting off. While the voice spoke, I felt the energy drain out of me, and paralysis set in. I can remember mumbling back, yeah, you're right, it doesn't matter. I should just kill myself and end it. How about a knife? That one on the counter over there. It looks sharp enough, and should end your pathetic life in no time. Yes, I replied. At this point, I felt like I was in a dream and I had no control over my actions. I shuffled into the kitchen, grabbed the knife, and plunged it into my wrist. I woke up in the hospital. My friend Colin had come over, and because he had a key, he was able to get in. He found me on the kitchen floor in a puddle of blood. He was a night shift nurse at a nearby hospital, and his quick thinking saved my life. I was later admitted to a psych ward with my cooperation. I thought I had gone completely mental. They diagnosed me with having schizoaffective disorder with severe depression. I spent the next two months rebuilding myself mentally and came out feeling reinvigorated. It was around Halloween that I was browsing around Reddit and found a post called 
what is the creepiest phenomenon with no explanation? I'm very much into the supernatural and believe in most spiritual beliefs about the afterlife, demons, and ghosts, but I am not religious. I saw a reply to the post with a link that said, How about the mass amount of people that commit suicide on New Year's and the survivors claim to see a tall black figure telling them to do it? Here's a link for proof of the phenomenon. Chills covered my body, and I felt my muscles twitch. The memory of the events of that night came back. The black figure, the commands it gave, the way it wanted me to kill myself or sacrifice myself. I posed this question to the post. What does it want? Someone replied, well, from what I gather, it's been talked about for centuries amongst various cultures in one form or another. An otherworldly spirit that comes back once a year to gather enough souls to fill itself for another year, like a soul-leading bear back to hibernation. This is when I went down the rabbit hole of Google and researched more into this thing. About 25 pages back, I found a result that was so close to what I was looking for. It was on an independent paranormal research group's website, which I will keep anonymous, and the article answered many questions that I had. The earliest mention went back to Roman times, and it was simply referred to as the Tenebris, written as a name, not a description, and Tenebris, translated from Latin, means darkness. Tenebris was said to appear at winter solstice, and once convinced an entire legion, which I found out was 5,000 legionnaires, to rush off a high cliff while they were pursuing a Germanic army, and nearly all of them had died. Julius Caesar found out and demanded a massive sacrifice back in Rome, written by him as to appease the beast Tenebris. A few days later, I went back to the Reddit post and saw dozens of people who had commented, saying they had seen Tenebris. I messaged a few of them, and we started a chat group on Discord. The number grew to over 250 by December 1st, and we all had similar experiences. One guy was walking on the sidewalk in New York City when he saw a figure in an alleyway and an overwhelming urge to leap in front of a taxi, but was able to fight it off. Another man was on a cruise ship and saw a dark figure in the water, demanding that he jump overboard to be with it, which he also did. He said he had one foot over the rail when an attendant grabbed him seconds before he could leap. A woman who was suffering from heroin addiction was nearly coaxed into taking a lethal dose by a shadow man. They all sound a little familiar and similar, right? I have no idea what to do about it, but it's real. I've seen it, and I'm terrified it'll come back this New Year's. It's a few days before New Year's, and I'm already starting to feel it. I haven't moved from this couch in days, and there's plenty of alcohol. It usually hits hard this time of year, as it is just a reminder of how lonely I am. Colin is out of state with his family this year, and the rest of my friends are also preoccupied. So much for that. I guess I will sulk around my apartment, you know, to keep the tradition alive. It's been a couple of days since I wrote the rest of this. I've seen it a few times, lurking in corners, hiding from the light. It's waiting. It'll pounce once the time is right, when it's at its full power. I know it will try to take me again, but hopefully I don't listen to Tenebris this year. Our second tale tonight is once again written by author Annika Vigil and performed by Erica Garafa. Without further ado, I present to you Nice Neighbors. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take. 
whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now, all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Her family had lived in that house on that street for as long as Ivana could remember. She had her birthday parties in that backyard and swung from the big tree in the front yard until the rope wore down and the metal creaked. Every Christmas morning, her and her brothers gathered on the floor before the tree, and every Easter they sat on the back porch and dyed eggs to fill with confetti and glitter. Their walls were covered in both old and new photos. Some black and white, some faded sepia, and others from the weekend previous. It had always seemed to smell of her grandmother's flowery perfume and smoke from their small wood-burning fireplace. Not too big, but big enough, as her father always said. It was home serving as the backdrop for every fond memory she held dear. Well, them and a less pleasant one. Having lived in that neighborhood for so long, they had come to be close with almost all of their immediate neighbors. To their left lived an elderly couple Ivana knew simply as Mr. and Mrs. Herrera, who always sat in rocking chairs in their netted enclosed porch. And to their right lived the Campbell family. The Campbell's house was painted a lilac color, and their yards were separated by nothing more than a chain-link fence— it had a bigger front yard, too, or at least it felt that way since they lacked bushes or trees, which in turn led to many afternoons spent playing tag there with the Campbell kids. The youngest of them was a girl two years older than Ivana named Alyssa. The two were very close and often walked to school with their arms linked as they tried to stomp in every puddle or kick as much snow off the sidewalk as they could. Alyssa was at every one of those birthday parties without fail, and Ivana climbed over the fence to join every one of hers. They agreed that nothing could ever separate them, and someday they might even move away together. The best thing was, in their minds, the fact that their bedroom windows were both on the sides of their respective houses, facing each other. The two of them would sit on the window sills, perched like birds, and spent many hours talking by writing on notebooks and holding them up for each other to see. They would get each other's attention late at night with a few flickers of a flashlight, and reveled in the disobedience and perceived danger of it all should they be found awake. Gossip, homework answers, anything to preoccupy each other until they were too tired to stay awake. Ivana looked forward to it every night, especially on days when chores and schoolwork kept her out of the yard. Snowy and sick days were by far the worst, and she sought comfort in leaning against the glass with her flashlight in hand. Alyssa was her best friend, and she loved her. Alyssa, unfortunately, didn't stick around as long as she had planned. That warm summer morning, when the moving truck pulled up in front of the lilac house, the two girls were heartbroken. Neither of them had known that far in advance, and when the news had been broken to them, it was taken with the hopeless sort of sadness that came with the inevitable. It rained that afternoon, and Alyssa stood in her window with her backpack over one shoulder, waving goodbye. She wasn't crying and Ivana smiled back with as much reassurance as she could muster. After her friend had gotten into the car and drove away with all her family's belongings in tow, however, all she could do was cry into her pillow so nobody would hear. She was a big girl, after all. No, Mommy, it's okay. We're gonna call and write letters? She'll do it. She promised. The house was empty for a long while, growing weeds while remaining vacant and silent. They stayed out of the front yard and only went over to pick the for sale sign back up when it would fall over. Winter blanketed the house in snow that was left untarnished by footsteps until spring. The lawn turned brown under the summer sun without someone to water it in the evenings. School started back up again, and Ivana had only received one letter and two phone calls from her old friend. They didn't know what to talk about either time. She wouldn't have noticed the for sale sign go down if it wasn't for her brother Thomas's suspicious tendencies. 
Thomas had said multiple times that he had seen people going in and out, but their parents insisted that they had been keeping an eye out and had seen nothing. When he pointed the now-empty yard out to their father, he shrugged and suggested that maybe someone was moving in. They never saw a moving truck or the big spectacle that accompanied new tenants. The red pickup truck was just there one day. At first it appeared that only one person had moved in. A man with a thick white mustache and thinning silver-blonde hair would occasionally leave to go and buy groceries, and sometimes he would just pace the porch in the evenings with a beer can in one hand, wearing nothing but a wife-beater and a pair of grimy jeans. He introduced himself reluctantly in passing once as Douglas. Ivana didn't like the way his gaze lingered on her when he noticed her standing there. Sometimes she would go out and swing, only to go inside promptly after noticing him in the window or looking out the screen door. He looked like he couldn't figure out what she was, like she was some unidentifiable animal prowling about the property. One late winter night, something else happened that she found unsettlingly odd. She lay in bed, half awake, when something in the window of Alyssa's old room caught her attention. It was a tiny flicker, not like a flashlight, but more the reflection of light off something else. She sat up, convinced it was a trick of memory and light. The flickering was deliberate, a pattern of varying durations, and something was moving ever so slightly between the half-drawn curtains in the darkness of the supposedly vacant room. Sliding out from under the covers, she made her way to the window and cupped her hands around her eyes for a clearer look. The room wasn't vacant at all. A girl a few years younger than her stood almost out of sight with a compact mirror in hand. She was using the glow of the street lamp and waved excitedly when she was noticed. She moved forward and began to mouth something unintelligible as Ivana reached for her notebook in response. Hey there, who are you? The girl looked confused and didn't appear to understand either what was written or what the question was. She stared blankly at her for a moment before she mouthed a simple question. Name? Ivana nodded, urging her to answer. She pointed to herself and mouthed Ivana as well as she could before pointing to the girl for her response. Marissa. After a few tries, Ivana turned back to the notebook and held it up long enough for the girl to decipher. It's nice to meet you, Marissa. Marissa nodded happily and smiled a wide, toothy grin. She was missing a few front teeth, but didn't seem to mind. Soon they would be back, seeing that adult teeth were beginning to peek out of her gums. It was nothing unusual for a child her age. She pointed out and then held up two fingers. The message was clear. You too. Before she could write anything more, Marissa's head turned and she suddenly looked flustered. She turned back only to wave before slipping back out of sight. This left Ivana slightly rattled wondering if this was something normal or not. Some people were just shy, she knew, and she didn't want to make mountains out of molehills, but the encounter left her uncomfortable. It wasn't the last time Marissa appeared in the window. She would stand there waiting for her new friend to notice and come to the window. She only appeared at night at first, which allowed the I'm tired, gotta sleep half-excuse to be used. Only the sad look on Marissa's face made her insides writhe with guilt. It was difficult to talk since she never had any paper and wouldn't open the window because there was a house alarm installed, so the conversations were quite brief. The girl's voice was a mystery for the longest time. Soon she was there during the day, too, which made things less unsettling and more uncomfortable. The window would slide open at around nine in the morning, and if she was anywhere in sight, Marissa would call her name. Sometimes she threw little pebbles at the glass until she came to look. She spoke too fast and asked too many questions, which Ivana politely answered until an excuse popped up. It made her feel like a horrible sort of friend. Do you have a dog? My dad's allergic to pet fur or something. What are you doing? Homework? Oh yeah, spelling is hard. Really, really hard. What took you so long to get home? Do you walk or ride a bus? I like the bus. Do you want to play something? I have lots of dolls. Do you want to come over and play? I have lots of games we could play. For someone with so many questions, however, there was one that she refused to answer herself, which made Ivana even more suspicious. One afternoon, while unpacking the necessary supplies to complete her homework, 
Marissa asked her what she did at school and continued to pry at details. Swallowing hard to push back at the apprehensiveness, she turned and asked, "'Where do you go to school, Marissa? I never see you at mine.' The girl in the window looked as if she were suddenly put on a stage with a spotlight in her face. "'I used to go to private school by my mom's house, but Daddy's been homeschooling me or something.' "'Really? Is it fun staying at home?' "'Sure, I guess.' She tilted her head as if listening, then her eyes widened in surprise. "'What's wrong?' "'Nothing. My daddy's calling. See you later.' That evening at dinner, she brought up Marissa to her parents. She told them everything about her, all the questions and the weird feelings she got. She admitted how she had been actively avoiding her and sneaking around so she wouldn't see her. At first, her parents didn't seem to worry, saying that their new neighbor was just a little nosy. Thomas seemed more interested, and she could tell by his face that he was more curious than anything else. After dinner, he asked if he could see Marissa, and there wasn't any logical reason she should answer no. But when they tried to get her attention, they found that night she didn't come to the window. Thomas made sure the window was locked before going back into his own room. A week passed, and they waited for the strange neighbor friend. A week passed, and Marissa was nowhere in sight, and neither of them had any desire to go knocking on the door with Douglas inside. Maybe she's imaginary. I'm too big for imaginary friends. Finally, on a particularly cold evening, she saw the flicker from the window once again. The window was indeed open, but only enough for Marissa to whisper through. She looked all right, albeit a little tired. Hey, Ivana, you want to see something cool? What is it? I made a pillow fort. It's really fun, and it's got multiple little rooms. If you're sneaky, you could come over and we can play in it. Why do I have to be sneaky? Daddy doesn't like people coming over. They make messes. You won't, but he thinks you will. Where's this pillow fort? It's in the crawl space under the living room floor. You wanna? Ivana swallowed hard. It's late, and I have school tomorrow. I gotta go to bed soon. I'm sorry. It's okay. I just never have any friends over. It's like they forgot about me. Oh, I bet they didn't. Everyone's in school, and... I'll ask my mom tomorrow. Marissa cracked a little smile, and for a while they sat in silence. Is Douglas your dad? Ivana asked slowly, as if she were tiptoeing around. The little girl in the window made a face she hadn't before. Her brow furrowed and she shook her head. Douglas? Yeah. He and my dad only talked a little. He doesn't seem to like neighbors much. That's not my daddy's name. Thomas wouldn't let such new information go, and spent more time trying to encounter Marissa himself. He asked questions like, Does she look like him? Or... What else did she say about him? Still, there was no response whenever Thomas was present, even if he hid so she couldn't see him. This frustrated him greatly, and he continued to bring it up to their parents only to be told not to spy on the neighbors. At one point, he accused his sister of making it all up because she was upset about Alyssa. On a chilly November morning, Ivana proved she wasn't making anything up. It was about 4.30 before the sun had begun to rise up into the gray winter sky. The entire family was woken by the sound of glass shattering. She was the first to get up and figure out what had caused the noise, since all she had to do was peek out the window. The window Marissa had so frequently perched in had shattered outward, scattering shimmering shards of glass all over the weeds in the window well below. There the dark-haired girl stood, her curly locks no longer in their neat braids and her eyes wide with fear, or at least what she perceived to be fear. She was shaking her head, and when Ivana called her name, she looked around frantically, her eyes unfocused. I can't, I can't see, it's too dark, I don't want to, I don't want to be here, please. Marissa, I'm right here, what happened? She waved her arms, but the girl only groped around blindly. I don't want to go into the dark place, it's not fun, it's not fun. There was another indistinct thud, and then her voice was gone. Everyone rushed in shortly after, but nobody could figure out what had happened, or what she was even talking about when she tried to articulate what she had seen. That afternoon, Ivana decided to call Alyssa, in hopes of telling someone who would better understand. She sat in her windowsill, looking out as she listened to the ringing in anticipation. Alyssa's mother answered after three attempts, sounding irritated before giving over the phone. 
Hey, Ivana, how are you? Something weird is happening at your house. She went into detail, explaining what was happening, from the first night to that morning, and her old friend only listened in a nervous silence. It was only after Ivana mentioned Marissa's offer to join her in the crawlspace pillow fort that Alyssa spoke up. Wait, she said she was playing in the crawlspace? Mm-hmm. She wanted me to go and see it. It was under the living room floor. You've been to my house, though. We have a basement just like yours, no crawlspace. Really? Oh, yeah. It was then, while absent-mindedly staring at the window, she noticed Douglas practically running from his house, hastily tossing ratty suitcases and bags into the back of his red truck. He was staring all around, as if afraid someone would sneak up on him, then jumped in and drove away. She went hopping down the stairs, eager to tell Thomas only to find her father sitting on the couch, leaning forward to focus all attention on the news report. "'Hey, honey, isn't that—' Her mother came running in, and they all stared in horror as the breaking news ribbon moved across the screen, and a photo of a man with a thick white mustache and silver blonde hair was put on screen. The local reporter spoke with grim urgency. "'Police are searching for 55-year-old Douglas Hume.' who is the primary suspect in the murder of Sandra and Anthony Mitchell, as well as the abduction of their seven-year-old daughter. After neighbors reported a foul smell coming from the attached duplex where Hume had previously lived, police found the Mitchell's remains buried in the crawl space after having been missing for nearly four months. Police believe that Hume is tied to multiple robberies and abductions all over the state. He is considered to be armed and very dangerous, if you have any information concerning the whereabouts of Mr. Hume, please contact the number on this screen. Ivana watched in shock as her mother snatched the phone from her hands and darted to the kitchen to dial the number. I hope you enjoyed Nice Neighbors by Annika Vigil. Up next... We've got another terrifying tale for you from the Dead Canary, about the paranormal reason behind why there are so many suicides on New Year's Day every year. And the truth is far more sinister than you could ever imagine. But first, I'd like to tell you a bit more about today's sponsor, Robin Hood. Robin Hood is an investing app that allows everyone not just the wealthy or experienced, to buy and sell stocks, ETFs, options, and cryptocurrencies, all commission-free. That's right. Whereas other brokerages charge up to $10 for every trade, Robinhood doesn't charge commission fees. None at all. You can trade stocks to your heart's content and keep all of your profits. Robinhood also makes getting your feet wet in the world of investing simple with their intuitive, user-friendly app and website. With a clear design that presents pertinent data in an easy-to-digest way, so you don't miss a thing. Without the clutter and steep learning curve of intimidating investment software. With Robinhood, easy-to-understand charts and market data are right at your fingertips, so you can invest for the first or hundredth time with total confidence. It's so easy to use, in fact, that you can place a trade with just four taps on your smartphone. If this old storyteller can do it, anyone can. With Robinhood, you learn by doing... There are no complex tutorials, no mile-long manuals. You gain experience investing as you build your portfolio. Personalized news feeds allow you to easily discover new stocks. Plus, track the performance of your favorite companies while custom notifications alert you in real time to price movements. So you never miss out on an opportunity to invest. Not only that, but Robinhood's web-based platform allows you to view collections of stocks, including curated lists of the hundred most popular, or see them categorized by entertainment, social media, and more. In every way imaginable, Robinhood strives to make financial services work for everyone, not just the wealthy. So, whether it's your first time investing, or you're a seasoned professional, 
Robinhood makes it easy to make decisions, so you can get started making trades without second-guessing and without commission fees cutting into your proceeds. And don't forget, Robinhood is giving our listeners a totally free stock to help you get started building your portfolio. To sign up, simply visit them today at simplyscary.robinhood.com to let them know that the Simply Scary podcast sent you. Again, that's simplyscary.robinhood.com. Now, without further ado, turn those lights down low and double-check beneath your bed. We've got another terrifying tale for you. <laughs> Our third and final tale tonight is also written by the Dead Canary, who we heard from earlier tonight as well. And it is a story that goes to show just how far some people will go for love. (laughs) I present to you, Kick You Out. (laughs) I still remember Jonathan as he was, the way he smiled, the way he would hold me when I was feeling low, the times he enjoyed making me breakfast, even when it was only a bowl of cereal. But then I remember the day when I kicked him out. We had an argument about him leaving clothes on the floor when he came over. It grew from there. Suddenly, every little nitpick we had about each other lay bare. Nothing was off-limits. He had never hit me before. But it only had to be once for me to not want him there anymore. So he left. He stopped at a bar to grab a few drinks. He then started yelling at some guy who was playing pool. They got into a fight. Jonathan grabbed a beer bottle... The other guy pulled a knife. One well-placed jab under the ribs and into the heart. And it was over. Jonathan was dead. All I could think of during the funeral, when I wasn't crying, was the irony of us both getting our hearts destroyed that night. At least he didn't have to worry about his anymore. I was devastated. I stopped going to classes at university. My professors understood and welcomed me back when I was ready. I got calls from friends to hang out, but I ignored them. It wasn't the same without him. One bad fight and all of our good times meant nothing. Those good times were all I could think about. That and wishing we could have had a chance to make up. But that was taken away from us. Well, maybe. That day, I started to wonder whether there was anything beyond death. If there was some way for me to speak to him one last time. That night, I began browsing the internet. Though there was no shortage of information, most of it strained credulity and the methods described were impractical. Out of necessity, I looked into other areas. I tried the school library, but their selection of books was fairly surface-level, dealing with chance circles and moon magic. I wanted something deeper. I turned to an old bookstore downtown... The kind of place that smells like something dark and mysterious lives there. Perhaps I expected too much, but only one book looked interesting, a more recent paperback that discussed seances and mediums as the two means of contacting the dead. It wasn't good enough. I wanted direct contact, not an intermediary. I had no desire to be scammed. The shopkeeper must have noticed my dismay. 
He pulled me aside and told me that, on occasion, people passed through with stranger things to sell, and that he had kept those items in storage and only showed them upon request. The subject matter, he said, gave most people the willies. I flashed him $75 and asked what it would buy me on the subject of speaking to the dead. He returned from the back room with a leather-bound book in hand. It was well-worn, decidedly ancient in appearance, its cover blank. I flipped through it briefly and realized it was entirely handwritten. The shopkeeper said he had purchased it from a woman whose mother had passed away, leaving her with an attic filled with a variety of books. He bought them all, and this particular book, he said, had been found amongst the others. He never displayed it as it had little face value, and yet it looked too interesting to toss. The book was brimming with information on the subject of necromancy, portions of it in languages I didn't recognize, but it felt like exactly what I needed. I thanked the shop owner and left. At home, I read it and found exactly what I'd been searching for. Detailed instructions and incantations for summoning and communicating with the deceased. I had no idea what the incantations said, of course, and no way of knowing if I was reciting them properly. But I had come this far, and wasn't about to stop now. Thankfully, all the ingredients required were fairly common, or easily obtained, and that very same night, I did as the book said, and recited the incantations to the best of my ability. Nothing happened. I sighed, disappointed. I should have expected as much, I told myself, and felt my heart being torn apart all over again. Dejected, I cleaned up, prepared myself a microwave dinner, popped a pair of nighttime Tylenols, and went to bed. Evening was still hours away, but I didn't care. I just wanted the day to be over. I woke to the feeling of an icy finger brushing against the back of my hand. I sat up and held my breath, wondering who it was and nearly screamed when I saw the figure standing beside my bed. It stood motionless in the nearest corner of my room, facing the wall. Instinctively, I reached for the switch on my lamp. Before I could turn on the light, however, a frigid hand pushed mine away. In what little light made its way into my room from the streetlights outside, I saw it shake its head and turn toward me. It was just bright enough to make out the shape of its body and its hair, but little else. A familiar scent came to me then. And I just knew... Jonathan! My Jonathan! He was pale and disheveled, and in the dim conditions I had trouble making out his exact features, but there was no doubt in my mind that it was really him. He was there! I don't know how, but he was there! Elated, I reached again for the lamp on my bedside table, hoping to turn on the lights and get a better look at him. Once more, a clammy hand shot out of the dark and stopped me. Jonathan turned from me, as if nervous or ashamed about his appearance. I rose to meet him, telling him that he had nothing to be afraid of, that I cared about who he was, not what he looked like. I said I was sorry that we had argued, that I wished he had never gone to the bar, that I wished we had made up instead of giving up. Silently, he hushed me, putting a freezing finger to my lips, and there, in the dark, he held me. I was beside myself, crying tears of joy. I had my chance to make amends and tell him how I felt and say goodbye. There, wrapped in his cold embrace, I smiled, feeling more at peace than I ever had before. That night, I said everything I wanted to say, told him I loved him, and kissed him one last time. Before long, it was over. I opened my eyes to morning light streaming in through my windows and sighed. For the second time, Jonathan was gone. For a moment, I wondered if it had all been a dream. I felt different, however. Lighter. I still miss Jonathan, of course, but having the opportunity to say goodbye properly, real or not, made what pain I felt just a bit more dull. The important thing was, I was content, and ready to move on with my life. The next night, however, much to my surprise, he returned.
Wordlessly, just like before, he wrapped his icy arms around my waist. There, in the dark, he held me close. Again, the cold chilled me, but in that moment that didn't even matter. Nothing else mattered. Jonathan was truly there, and as I touched and spoke to him, I began to wonder if I needed to move on at all. Things went on like that for a week, Jonathan waking me in the middle of the night, always facing away from me in the corner of the room, and always coming when called. By that time, I felt well enough to return to classes, though I'll admit I was a bit sleep-deprived and a bit out of sorts without a cup of coffee. It didn't come as much of a surprise then when, on my first day back, one of my classmates took an inordinate interest in me, asking repeatedly if I was feeling all right. I insisted I was perfectly fine, just a bit tired. Are you sure you don't need to see a doctor? She persisted. You look... terrible. I didn't think I looked that bad. Alarmed, I went to the bathroom after class to look in the mirror. Sure enough, I didn't look my best, but in my estimation, things could have been a lot worse. Surely it was nothing to call the doctor over. The next week, Jonathan's nightly visits continued. I basked in his familiar scent as he embraced me, and it was intoxicating. It drove me wild, and more than once, despite the cold, I encouraged him to come to bed with me. Each and every time, he declined, shaking his head without so much as a word. With each passing day, I began to anticipate his visits, doing my best to stay up as late as possible. But no matter how hard I tried, I always fell asleep before his arrival. My performance at school began to suffer. Where at first I had felt great about returning to my usual activities, I began to think of them as distractions and lost focus. Jonathan was all I could think about, fantasizing daily about his visits. One day, while hopelessly lost in the throes of reverie, the same classmate that had previously commented on my appearance interrupted me again, inquiring as to whether or not I had seen a doctor yet. I frowned in disapproval. I decided to confide in her about Jonathan and our relationship, in the hopes that she would stop asking. So we met for lunch, and over soup I told her how he came to me, every night, and made me feel more wonderful than I ever had in my life. She looked a bit unnerved, simply nodding in response to everything I said. I could tell she didn't believe me. That's when she surprised me by asking what I was doing that night. Other than seeing him, she added. I told her I had no plans other than dinner and TV. She asked if it would be alright if she stopped by to study with me. We had an exam to study for coming up soon anyway, and I had to admit I was behind and could use the help, so I agreed, on the condition that we wrap it up before midnight. I had no interest in delaying my rendezvous with Jonathan. That night, as planned, my classmate arrived. We had something to eat and began studying. Something seemed to be bothering her, however, and she was oddly quiet throughout the evening. She kept receiving texts as well, which she replied to with a sort of urgency. Eventually, I asked her what was wrong. Nothing, she said, and left it at that. The night wore on, with a studying far longer than I had intended. Midnight was approaching, and I was ready to call it a night. We had class in the morning, and besides, Jonathan would be arriving soon, and I didn't want to leave him waiting. I invited my classmate back some other time, thanked her for her help and company, and bid her goodbye. I figured that would be the last I would see of her for the evening, and nearly jumped for joy once she was out of my apartment. I could nearly smell Jonathan's scent again, so sweet, so intoxicating. The anticipation was nearly more than I could bear. Quickly I changed out of my day clothes, slipping on a nightgown that was Jonathan's favorite in life, and slid into bed to wait for his arrival. I must have dozed off rather quickly. I don't remember falling asleep. But when I woke up, it was just after midnight, and there he was, in the corner. Jonathan. I sighed in contentment and called to him. He turned in my direction, pulled me to my feet. I wrapped my arms around him and laid my head on his shoulder, taking in his essence, even as the cold of his body siphoned the very warmth from mine. I had never felt so close to anyone in my life, and I was so, so happy. 
Suddenly, a loud pounding on my door jolted me. At first, I ignored it, but it continued with an unavoidable urgency. Scowling, I broke free of Jonathan's embrace and threw on a robe and jogged to my front door. When I opened it, I found my classmate had returned, a look of embarrassment on her face. She ran out of gas, she said, and wanted to know if I could give her a ride to the nearest gas station. Then, in mid-sentence, she froze. "'Oh my gosh, what happened to you?' she asked. I asked her what she meant. "'You're so pale. Is everything okay?' "'Of course, I'm fine,' I said, dismissing her concerns. Jonathan was waiting for me in the bedroom, and I was getting irritated. "'You don't look fine,' she insisted. "'Come on, let's get you to the hospital. You don't look good at all. It doesn't hurt to make sure—' "'I don't need your help!' I shrieked involuntarily. The words came out so loudly I surprised myself. My classmate recoiled a bit and stumbled backwards a step or two. "'I... I'm sorry. I didn't mean to yell.' I said. It's just, I'm very tired and haven't been sleeping as much as I should, and I need to get to bed. It's late, and I have class early. Isn't there anyone else you can call to help? Suddenly, from the bedroom, we both heard the sound of a lamp breaking. My classmate jumped. What was that? She asked, startled. I considered making up an excuse. She never believed me about Jonathan anyway. But she looked so frightened I didn't want to scare her any further. Oh, that's just Jonathan, I said. I told you he comes to see me every night. And you're keeping him waiting, please. You need to go. I watched as all the blood drained from my classmate's face. She stammered incoherently for a moment and then began texting someone in earnest. I looked at her quizzically. I was just about to ask what was going on and what she was so afraid of. It was only Jonathan, after all. He was good for me, and I loved him. Certainly he was nothing to be afraid of. My classmate looked up from her phone and straightened in my eyes. Jonathan is dead, she cried. Please, let me take you to the hospital. You need help. Let me help you, please. I laughed. Jonathan wasn't dead. He used to be dead, of course, but that was before the ritual. My classmate just didn't understand. No, I told her. That's ridiculous. He's alive, and he's waiting for me. You're being very rude, and I want you out of my house. My classmate locked eyes with me for a moment, and then sprinted across my apartment to my bedroom door. Without hesitation, she threw it open and flipped on all the lights and charged into the bedroom. No! I screamed. He doesn't like it when the lights are on. He doesn't like the way he looks. Before I could finish berating her and marching after her... I saw her stop dead in her tracks. Then she screamed. And she kept on screaming. The door slammed shut behind her. From behind it, her muffled shrieks continued. I worried that she was going to wake my neighbors. I heard a sound near my front door and turned to find my classmate's cell phone in the hallway. She must have dropped it. I picked it up. It was on and unlocked. Text messages. I didn't know who they were sent to, but the ones from her told whoever she had been speaking to that she was very concerned about my mental health and thought I might be hurting myself, that I was seeing things, and that I might need medication to help with my hallucinations. It made me angry. I would never, ever hurt myself. But it didn't matter now. The screaming had stopped, and everything was quiet again. I texted my classmate's friend back that everything was fine, and it was all a misunderstanding. Then I turned off the phone and left it on the counter. I returned to my bedroom, opening the door slowly at first to find the lights again turned off. There was no sign of my classmate. Jonathan? I called out into the darkness. He didn't say anything to me, as usual, but I could smell him. That same familiar, intoxicating scent. And I could just about make him out, standing in the corner of the room facing the wall by my bedside table. Jonathan, it's me, I said, stepping around the bed to hold him. Is she gone? Are we alone again? In the dark, I couldn't quite make out his face, but I saw him nod and point to the window, where the barely recognizable 
emaciated husk of a body lay prostrate, draped across the sill. A thin line of frost extended from its fingertips where they made contact with the glass. I'll admit I was a bit shocked at first. Then, in the dim light of my bedroom, I saw the hint of a smile creep across Jonathan's lips. And I knew everything would be okay. Jonathan was no hallucination, and I would never kick him out. Telling him to leave cost him his life once already, and I will never let that happen again. In the dark, Jonathan held me close. For once, surprisingly, he didn't seem quite so cold. My teeth chattered, of course, and my muscles ached, but none of that mattered. Not anymore. In that perfect moment, locked tight in his arms, he pressed his lips to mine. And as he did, the most wonderful shiver ran down my spine. This is your host, Jason Hill, thanking you for joining us for tonight's celebration of the sinister. Thanks again to today's sponsor, Robin Hood, for their support of this show. Don't forget, as a listener, Robin Hood is giving our listeners a free stock, such as Apple, Ford, or Sprint, to help build your portfolio. Sign up now at simplyscary.robinhood.com. Once more, that's simplyscary.robinhood.com. And of course... Don't forget to join us again next time, when we once again dive deep into the minds of the most unsettling authors, and breathe life into the most unholy horrors in this, our theater of the mind. Until then, if your lights suddenly go out and you find yourself chilled to the bone, looking over your shoulder... There's no need to run for cover. You may just be experiencing the Simply Scary Podcast. <laughs> Thanks for listening. I'm Steve Taylor, and you've been listening to the Simply Scary Podcast, a production of Chilling Entertainment and the creative team at Chilling Tales for Dark Nights and a proud member of the Simply Scary Podcasts Network. Visit simplyscarypodcast.com today to learn more about our network and our other amazing storytelling programs. Tonight's episode was written by Craig Roshek and performed by special guests Jason Hill, host of the Horror Hill Podcast, and Otis Jiry, host of Scary Stories Told in the Dark. Visit us at ChillingTalesForDarkNights.com today to support this program by becoming a patron. In addition to helping us out, you'll get exclusive access to premium extended versions of our episodes, our audio archive, and ad-free downloads of all of your favorite stories, including those you've heard today. The host of the Simply Scary Podcast is GM Danielson. Selected stories have been adapted with the kind permission of their respective authors. Original music for the program was produced by Luke Hodgkinson and Jesse Cornett. Sound design and final mixing and mastering are overseen by the executive producer and director, Craig Groshek, with production of individual stories by members of our talented sound design team. Artwork for the show's episodes by David Romero. For more information about the authors, performers, and artists involved in the production of this and our other episodes, visit our website today. Got a scary story of your own that you'd like performed? We take submissions. Email it to us today at submissions at simplyscarypodcast.com to have your terrifying tale considered for production in a future episode of this show. If you enjoyed what you heard on tonight's program and are joining us on your favorite podcast app, Subscribe to us to be sure you never miss an episode and leave us a five-star review and a comment. Your feedback means a lot to us. You can also follow Chilling Tales for Dark Nights on Facebook to connect anytime and get the latest updates on this and our other programs. If you're listening on the Chilling Tales for Dark Nights YouTube channel, 
hit the subscribe button and the bell notification icon to get more spooky tales from us and another episode of this program each and every Tuesday. And don't forget to hit that thumbs up button and tell us how we're doing and leave a comment. Until next week, listeners, turn off the lights and turn on the dark. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.